you guys, it's a good energy indicator that you guys are more fired up than yesterday's crowd, but it is Gareth. I... <laughs> yesterday we came out to... Uh... <sighs> yeah. Um, so this is better. Um, yesterday they, uh, they didn't know what we did. And when they found out, uh, that was not good. Give it up for the Aloft Hotels. Yep, they're great. They're, uh, they have okay, a manager that's no a fucking dick. Uh, they didn't check Gareth until 7 in Houston. Uh, there was a used douche in the room. What's the difference? Aloft Hotels. Get yourself a douche and a dick manager. It's Aloft. <laughs> it all happened. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Dollop. Um, this is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Once a week, I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Um, uh, this, uh, this show, we have a guest. Uh, he is uh, one of We don't favorites. just do this setup to just make you, the yeah. whole show, go, Why? We just started screaming at people halfway through. Stop looking at the stool! Yeah. Um, uh, this guy's one of my favorites. He's fucking hilarious. Um, he, uh, he's the best Bernie Sanders impersonator in the world. He's better at Bernie Sanders than Bernie Sanders is. Bernie said that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, James Adomian! Hi, folks. Hello. One percent of one percent of one percent. It's good. One percent is a very small percentage. Now that that was two thirds of one fifth is greater than four fifths of one third. That's just pure fractions. I mean, nineteen oh seven. This is a history podcast, James. Yeah, yeah. In 1907, a Peking to Paris car race was held. A Peking to Paris mm-hmm. car, okay. Um, it was brutal through rough terrain. There's no fucking roads. They're just going crazy. Oh, my God. The Sweet. winner... This is quite a start, okay? This, this, is just right. where, this is just setting up the next thing. The winner was an Italian guy, and uh, he won a magnum of champagne. That's it? Oh. it? I'm good. I love it. The th- Worth it. Yeah. The second place was someone who was deceased yeah. during the journey. Yeah. <laughs> also, someone who was like, fuck, damn it. What was the route? Did they go through the Himalayas? Just go. You know what? I, I don't think they went through the Himalayas. <laughs> I can't imagine, but they might have, knowing these guys. Are they in rock crawlers, or they're just in... They're in cars, buddy. Okay. Uh, then at this time, a car costs between six thousand and twelve thousand dollars, which is like one hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand today. So, so like Teslas, Teslas, right? Without charging stations and a and a dick who runs the company. <laughs> After the is pe- he going to drop in here? <laughs> he was. <laughs> After the I think pe- that you know we are doing the same thing that they were doing then, but uh, <laughs> instead of going from Peking to Paris, we're going to the asteroid belt for no reason. <laughs> 
there certainly isn't life on the asteroid belt. Oh, we don't know that. Let's yeah, we don't look. know. It could be guys hiding up there. Yeah. Inside the rocks, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, okay, that's a. There, there's certainly have to be space villains if they live in the asteroid belt. Well, we're not oh. saying there aren't space villains. We yeah. firmly believe on this podcast there are, and yeah. we need to get them. I'd rather fight him in the asteroid belt than fight him here. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Fuck yeah! What a planet. We will take the fight to the asteroid. That's right. We won't rest until Earth has become its own asteroid belt. Oh, fuck. They have to be British, right? (laughs) Obviously, yeah. (laughs) So after the Peking to Paris race, a New York to Paris race... How? What? Who's designed... Okay, go ahead. It's 1907. The Explorers Club has not quite yet perfectly mapped the world. (laughs) We believe that a route is possible. Have faith, gentlemen. Keep pushing. Uh, It was co-sponsored by the French uh, newspaper Le Matin and the New York Times. The winner would get a... 1,400-pound trophy. What? (laughs) Who's... Okay. Who's in charge of everything, but then who's in charge of rewards? <laughs> who's, like, giving them the spoils? There's Do you get n- champagne? Or it's something you can't lift. Choose. Well, there's no way to extend your life expectancy beyond 40 years, so we can give you large things. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to win something heavy. <laughs> Okay, so the question, of course, everyone's thinking is, how do you drive from North America to uh, Asia? So the route would go across the U.S., north through Canada, then turn... <laughs> We're uh, about to a hit left, an issue. A left turn at Alaska, uh, and then... Wait, uh, they went the wrong way. Through Canada, you make a left Alaska, and then go over the Bering Strait. Wait. I mean, there's a lot of problems. When do we start talking about them? Okay. <laughs> So the idea is that the Bering Strait is going to be frozen in the middle of winter so they could drive across it. Oh, my God. I don't think that happens. (laughs) It's salty water. Well, you'll have to listen to find out, won't you? (laughs) Oh, boy. That's ambitious. Uh, And then after that, through Siberia, which no one had ever... After that, I don't think we need to worry about... Who is the guy's like, what do we do after we get through the Bering Strait? Yeah. Get, I want to write this down. There's a gauntlet of machine guns and poison gas. After that, Got it? you take a tour of uh-huh. the Rose Garden. Okay. Um, so then through Siberia, which has no car had ever traveled on, and then to Moscow, Berlin, and then Paris. And then that's sure. 22,000 miles, and then, um, and then you get the, the big heavy thing. Sure. Great. Um, what a now, each car at this time, the average life of a car was 10,000 miles. <laughs> Are they just trying to kill these gentlemen? <laughs> and there's no gas stations. Yeah. Okay. No. There are no gas stations. There's nothing. Um, there are very few gas stations in America. There are none in Alaska. Okay. Uh, How or, many are there in the Bering Strait? Siberia. Do they have a 76 the on the Bering Strait? They're all over the Bering Strait. Sorry, pal. You pulled up to full service. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bering Strait. Um, so gas was put along the route by Standard Oil. That's the plan who was working on a way to make gasoline that wouldn't freeze. So those are the real heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the oil men are the heroes. And still are today, my friend. And what are they setting up? They're just setting up buckets? Buckets of gas. Okay, great. Keep going. Imagine the sad mule cart that has to take <laughs> gasoline somewhere. 
Mush, mush, <laughs> mush. You gotta get this damn oil up there so a fancy New York car driver can get to Paris. And then we gotta lug a 1,400-pound trophy through the Bering Strait. The trophy had to make the route. Obviously, we just get a two-month lead. But it'll take longer. The mule don't like icy seas. So, at this point in history, only nine people have driven across the United States of America, but none, none have done it in winter. But they have to do it in winter because the Bering Strait has to be frozen. Obviously. So 16 teams entered the race. What? Uh, uh, 32 people have agreed to die. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yes. 33, because I, (laughs) Cleveland J. Mortimer, famous race car driver... from Indiana, have decided to bring my three-year-old son along to see his father's triumph. I can't wait to see him hoist that trophy up. That's right, of course I have a scarf. Not to give anything away, but he stays three forever. (laughs) Okay, off we go. So car companies did it for the publicity, right? They want to, they want their car to win. To no, you want to be attached car. to this nightmare. Yep. Yeah, get involved. Get your name on it. So it's a very international group. Um, there is uh, G. Bosset de Chaffre, who was driving the French D. Dion car. Okay. He had once organized a... Mo- <laughs> All I can imagine is Poirot. <laughs> We have to stop to solve a crime. <laughs> Focus. I am smarter than the police. Uh, <laughs> I think the Bering Strait murdered her. Oh, Poro. Uh, <laughs> you've just, you've lost him. Um, Chaffray once organized a motorboat race from Marseille to Algiers that resulted in every boat sinking in the Mediterranean. Great. All right. We've got, okay. <laughs> His captain was Hans... Hendrik Hansen, a Norwegian who claimed to have sailed alone in a Viking ship to the North Pole. Yeah, I did that too. Uh, it's impossible to verify or uh, deny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said uh, he and his crew would reach Paris or, quote, our bodies will be found inside the car. Why did they yeah. plan on that? Uh, but, well, <laughs> <laughs> he could certainly achieve that promise. <laughs> yeah. Or we'll die. For the dignity of France. Yeah. Uh, Frenchman Charles Godard was driving the Moto Blanc, who, uh, who uh, he had set an attendance record, uh, endurance record, by driving single handedly for 24 hours nonstop. So that was his claim to fame. What? Um, I mean, that... Just around a certain arrondissement <laughs> in Paris. <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Uh, Emilio Satori, who uh, Italian, would drive the Italian Zust car, and his car was a 21-year-old 20, poet whose dad... <laughs> you gotta have one. <laughs> you can't do something like this without a poet riding shotgun. Read <laughs> it back to me. Yeah. Um, his dad was a, owned a newspaper, and the poet threatened to uh, take a boat across the Atlantic alone if his dad didn't let him enter the race. So his dad did. It's great. Wait. It's great when you can pull off threats like that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you, I'll sail there. If you don't allow me to go here, I'll go I'll do something else equally insane in the other direction. 
Uh, this threat has impact upon me. So wait, so his, his dad did that because, like, the poet basically was like, do it or obey an asshole. So he's like, now you're taking the poet with you. Yeah, but he was like, well, the, the poet was like, well, then I'll die on the seas. And his dad's like, all right, get in the fucking car. He's going to die on the seas in a car. But he did it with an Italian accent. So he was like, ah, spicy, spicy meatball. Right, okay, sure. Yeah, he said that. Yep. Yeah, okay. We're going uh, to get that. We're going to we're gonna be fine. What do you want? He's a big fat, he's a big fat Italian poet. What do you need? Got a couple of sandwiches, huh? <laughs> Gabba <laughs> uh, There was the German uh, Hans Koppen uh, driving the Protos. Uh, he was an aristocratic army officer and saw no, the race. That's the guy. <laughs> I don't believe that part. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> did he have a spike on his helmet? Oh, sure he did. <laughs> that's five driver convertible. Takes it top down. It's Inspector Klimp from Young Frankenstein. Ah! <laughs> Frankenstein! <laughs> 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 Everyone's like, we should watch that movie. Uh, um, <clears throat> you should. I can't believe you haven't. Um, so he, he saw the race as a way to rank up from lieutenant to captain. Sure, yeah. That, this is definitely going to get you a good start on your yeah. career, for sure. And he had to pay a percentage of the costs. Um, then there was a third French team driving the car Cisre Nodin. The Cisre sure. Nodin had no body. It was just a sheet of metal over an engine. Hey, can I pick a winner now, or do we want to wait until the end? Ah. Is it time to pick our winners? <laughs> Jesus. This will be very so comfortable. Th- the third or fourth French team? Third. That's the third French third. team. We will do it in the Flintstones car. <laughs> so, so that's we'll the... We'll take a uh, horse-drawn wagon of baguettes. Ah, we are driving a baguette there. Fuck you. <laughs> we will put the system on trial. So that's what they announced. There's two Italians, German, three French, three French teams, and Teddy Roosevelt is like, "What? What the fuck?" I'm also racing, Teddy. <laughs> Teddy, he's like, "We got to have an American enter this race. It's in America." So sort tw- of. <laughs> well, mostly. Teddy Roosevelt was like, "I'm going to join this race, and if you don't let me, then I'm going to swim across the Atlantic." <laughs> Teddy, <laughs> damn it! Shoot a bear while I'm there. These weird threats. Let him race. So 25-year-old Monty Roberts was the most famous American driver, and he was like, I'm ready to go. I'll, I'll race in this thing. Uh, he was the first racer who was like a pure athlete. He would train by running and doing weights. Um, he had a huge following. Ladies Which we now him. take for granted that yeah. we have that knowledge, but this is before people knew that working out got you in shape. Yeah. So, weird Ca- era. Cars were like a great workout yeah, back then. Like, oh, I'm sore from driving. <laughs> Look at my arms. Um, so the Thomas Car Company stepped up. The best Thomas car was a 60-horsepower touring car called the Speedway Flyer, which had been used in tons of races. Now, a flyer was supposed to be being delivered to a customer, um, but they just took it and used Burgundy's that car for the race. Other cars in the race have been specifically designed for the race, but the flyer is just a fucking road car. That's that was French prime. one. That, that, echoes, that echoes current day as well. The, the Tesla that they shot into outer space, that was... <laughs> That was actually Harvey Weinstein's Tesla, and they just grabbed it from him, and they shot it out there. Um, The New York Times put a reporter in the flyer to ride along and file stories along the way. Wow, that poor bastard. I booked the story, hon. The the guy's driving, and the whole time he's like, one picture, one picture. (laughs) Come on. Ah, Jesus. Jesus, God. Come on. Come on. Give me a picture for the boy. I can't see where the Bering Strait freezes. Ah, Jesus, God. Ha. 
Um, the reporter was said to be very obese. We're going to need to pull over again. So this is a Laurel and Hardy sketch. <laughs> this just you got... You are uh, <laughs> It did just get very slapsticky. You're supposed to turn left. You're supposed to turn left. I can't. You're on the right side. I'm nervous. We're not going to make it. I don't know if we're going to make it. <laughs> oh, great. Another pickle you got us into. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Robert. Uh, so that's who we're sending. Well, then now they'll send the car is Robert's teammate, George Schuster, who's a 35-year-old mechanic who worked in the Thomas factory, and he agreed to do it if they would give him a job for life at the factory. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's not going to be very so, long. Uh, so. <laughs> job for life. Yeah. He yeah. won. Yeah, yeah. Job for, for life. sure. Yeah. So the day came. Uh, 250,000 people lined up on Broadway of uh, up to Harlem. Celebrities watch from a grandstand. The race is supposed to start at 11 a.m., so everyone's waiting. And the son of a Civil War general was supposed to fire the starting pistol, but he, he was late. And so 11 Did the time change or something? <laughs> yeah. Daylight saving, sorry. 11.15 came around, and the president of the Automobile Club of America got mad and just grabbed the pistol from the table and shot it. And then the race had begun. Okay, cool. Do we know what happened to that guy? No, he died, right? we don't know. Okay, he's we dead. Um, the poet wrote, quote, between two thick hedges of extended hands amidst a roar as of a falling torrent. And then he blew a kiss to the crowd as they drove off. So oh, poets are four. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. He was worth every penny. So every car has suitcases, bags, crates, and boxes just <laughs> piled on Absolutely. top of it. Absolutely. You got a Beverly Hillbilly your way to the Bering Strait. <laughs> yeah. Take it all. I think the bathtub was maybe too much. <laughs> You're going to thank me when we get to the Yukon and your groin yeah. smells like a potato. Uh, so now I'm, I'm going to try to not use as many names of all the people I name, so I'll mostly talk about the cars, right? Yeah, sure. So, so it'll the, be like the movie Cars. Uh, yeah. Cool. Except for Roberts, he's the, our main. Yeah, we've sort of actually, the, the Pixar franchise Cars has never imagined yeah, any of no. those adorable characters freezing to death. No, no. <laughs> Where the fuck are we? We're underwater. <laughs> <laughs> um, the well, we're going to have to eat the reporter. <laughs> That's become painfully obvious. Oh, my God, obvious. but thank God there's so much of him. <laughs> I'm full on him. This just in. I'm stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Deadline. <laughs> the Deadline. Kellispell Montana. <laughs> We've gorged ourselves on deer. Ooh. I, now I'm picturing him as um, uh, Sheldon Whitesides in The Man Who Came to Dinner. Good one. Good. That was a nice one, James. 1942. <laughs> he knows it. Hey, hey, I'm going to name a movie that only I have seen. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of my, my aunt's uh, movie from when I first went to school. She took it that day. You guys remember that? And if, so he's like the teacher that was in that. I sold out that quip before it was done getting quipped. You did. <laughs> yeah, that was an early bail. <laughs> Uh, so the Didion had chests filled with a month's supply of goods and a portable kitchen. What? Jesus. <laughs> They're blue aproning? 
They might as well have had the Donald Duck camper from the cartoon. Where it's like... Eating, eating corn on the cob like a typewriter. Uh, so the car's headed north to Poughkeepsie. The driver of the French... I mean, that is very much like a Donald Duck cartoon. Poughkeepsie? Yes, right through Poughkeepsie! <laughs> so the driver of the French Césaire Nadine got lost immediately. Fuck. Um, there was a lot of snow, which started to become thicker. Excuse me, sir, which way to the Bering Strait? <laughs> I know how to get to Doug's house. Fine, take us to Doug. Maybe he knows. <laughs> Shit, we're in the weeds early on this one. So the roads had deep ruts, and there were no, there's no signs. Um, there's also no maps and sure. no direct routes. Hey, what is there? <laughs> There are only timetables for how long it would take you to get there. There's the contact of hard rubber on <laughs> untilled soil. Yeah, that's it. That part, really. And there's an gravity. instinct. There's the torque of a wheel, and, and a, that's it. And a gut feeling. <laughs> and a dream. We You'll can't lose. Steam and fire-driven science. <laughs> to destiny, gentlemen. So what would happen is local automobile enthusiasts in each town would come out to meet the racers and then guide them and tell them which way to go or take them a distance and get out. How is so, so dorks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a car, <laughs> huh? Wow, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I mean, yes. I want, I'm going to get one soon. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, we look forward to that. We're in a bit of a rush, sir. Well, but you want to eat something? I have no, some soup uh, here. Uh, no, no, we have uh, supplies in the back. Please, please. <laughs> If, uh, point us to another dork. Uh, <laughs> you dorks are the backbone of this race. You really, you're the lifeblood. Um, God, they were dorks. So the snow got deeper, so the flyer's mechanic had to get out and walk in front of the car with a stick. This is the Americans. Yeah, to probe the ground under the snow to find the find the ground and then put down planks so they could drive over and then they'd take the plank out and put it in front. And well, that sounds poke. fast. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> that sounds it's like a, something that moves pretty quick. It's a great race. Yeah. It's like building a road for yourself on the fly. <laughs> and we all know how simple that can be. As an experiment, I would have wanted to just try riding an elephant and see if I could beat them. Ah, <laughs> oh, is that brilliant fucker? Look at him. <laughs> Elephants seem better days, but... You son of a bitch! <laughs> Uh, uh, I think we'll have the last laugh once he hits the sea. <laughs> Good luck floating on your fucking elephant. Yeah. He's not going to get through Moscow. Uh, so um, the flyer also has no heater in the car. That's fine. Um, so they drove through farms. They would just go through a farm. <laughs> Uh, just buckwheat. I got a good feeling about this one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the the clothesline. Yeah. Smack! Wah! Get it out of my way! Yeah, the scarecrow on the windshield. So Move him. All of the tropes of old movies that yeah. involve cars originated from this race. That's right. There's an old there's an old woman sitting out in front of the house. Pa! <laughs> Get my shotgun. They drove by, there's a pie in the window, and they just grab it. Hey, this ought to be good. Reporter. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so 
So the Césaire Nadim broke down near Peekskill, and the engine died. They fixed the car, but we're out of the race after 96 miles. Wow, that's uh, an amazing uh, non-achievement. The the luckiest ones, perhaps. (laughs) Well, we're going to call the winners at the end of all of this. The men who stopped right away. Well, we had an hour and a half on our dream race. That's That's good. At Churchtown, an old farmer waved down the flyer and told him about a shortcut. Which turned out to be total bullshit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The farmer hated cars, and so he sent them... <laughs> I sent them straight into my uh, barn full of pitchforks. <laughs> uh, I hate cars. So he sent them the wrong way on purpose. A lot of people at this point in rural America hated cars. People would put nails on roads and just shoot at passing cars. You want a shorty cut? (laughs) Well, we sure do, sir. Thanks for your help. Boy, am I glad we ran into you. (laughs) Keep laughing. How about some words? (laughs) Okay. Uh. I shoot at you myself. (laughs) Just a car drive. Hey, shitty fella. (laughs) Normal, normal, fine. Uh, Nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed. So... (laughs) We are getting closer. Do they hate cars on religious grounds? Um, I think that they... Jesus didn't make rubber. Yeah, they, ble- they believed in the horse and buggy, and they didn't... Um, they just thought... There was also a giant war against telephone poles, which I'll do a dollop at some time, but there was an, an insane war. Like, people were just like, Fuck you, progress! Well... <laughs> um, the flyer crew spent four hours shoveling snow with the other cars waiting behind them. And then the flyer reached the Hudson. So there's, there's genuine traffic? It's not much Well, they, the, ra- the race now is just, uh, you know, crawling along because they're putting fucking so boards down. it's really down. a train. It's a train of cars. Right. The flyer reached Hudson by 8.30 p.m. The Didion and Protoss arrived a little bit later. The Moto Block got stuck in snow but got out at 1 a.m. The New York Times headline said, quote, Racing to Paris, pretty slow work. <laughs> Oh, so the New York Times starts rubbing it in immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, our idea, but yeah, you know, some people in some problems aesthetically with the progress. <laughs> Not sure where to point the fingers, but ugh, what a failure! In the morning, the local police had gotten a complaint that a horse was spooked by the cars, and they made the Zust crew pay the three dollar fine because everyone else took off. So there's a there's a horse spooking fine. <laughs> well, you know I don't mean to come on hard on you boys, but the horse is pretty scared. So <laughs> throw the old book in. Well, he spooked and he was he was banging his horseshoes together. Oh, he spooked. Medically speaking, he spooked. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, so now the Italians were just completely disgusted with their fellow drivers. The flyer, the Didion, and the Protos traveled in single file on the snow. And then the Didion went off the road, and the flyer stopped to pull them out. Very gentlemanly. The Zust took advantage and also just took off. Also, not much of a race. Okay, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Uh, only to be found uh, just a few miles later, shoveling snow eight feet deep. <laughs> After eating lunch, a local told them they had been shoveling in the wrong direction. He <laughs> <laughs> just sat there watching them eating, and then after he's done, he's like, yeah, you want to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of bad news coming at the racers. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a great cartoon. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I really want to make yeah. this cartoon. <laughs> Snow became so bad that even the guides would no longer come out to meet them. 
And then the snow turned to slush as it got warmer, and the cars started sliding everywhere. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're in a race and the seasons change, that's a good feeling. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, the year's almost done. Woo! Is it, is it, was it late winter? No, it's still winter. It just but got a little bit warmer. Is it March or? No, it's February. It's February. So they're just luckily getting some slush. Yeah. Uh, so there's no power steering, and sometimes two men would ha- have to hold the wheel at the same time to steer. So they're tanks. <laughs> Just driving tanks. One is almost like a tank, the, uh, the German one, oddly. <laughs> I don't know how odd that is. Uh, but Roberts was the, one of the only ones who could drive the, the lightweight flyer by himself. Uh, so there's no road west out of, sn- sn- I don't know how to say this, but sc- Schenectady. 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 Yeah. Schenectady. They just inched through uh, snowdrifts in fields. The Italians arrived at uh, Utica There's no first. road west out of Schenectady. <laughs> now they're just driving through whatever. <laughs> they're just driving. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my beans. <laughs> Sorry, pal. Driving we're, on my beans. Sorry, buddy. We're driving. Hey. We're in a race, sort of, kind of. Where are we? Um, so outside of Buffalo, the racers started fighting over who was digging more snow, and they agreed they would alternate every five hours, but the agreement quickly fell apart. So it turns into a shit show. The Metric Moto system. Blo- yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. right? <laughs> the Moto Blanc was broken down in Syracuse. The Protos was 50 miles ahead, but had gotten four flat tires because it was so heavy. The Zust flipped over in Rochester. Four flat tires. <laughs> it is important to talk about how many tires flat that is, because that's all of them. <laughs> that's all your tires. I mean, this has to be scored by a zany ragtime piano. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Um, The Zust flipped over in Rochester, and they were furious. That's not what we There's enough cars that everything can go wrong goes wrong. (laughs) It's the Murphy race. One of them was sliced in half by a saw. (laughs) 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 They were furious that the flyer and Dion had not waited for them as they agreed upon. What kind of a race attitude is this? Well, they think they're being gentlemanly, but gentleman racing is quickly falling apart. Yeah, okay, good. So the Zust is now mad, so they go off the official route and just drive 24 hours straight to Erie, Ohio. Uh, And now everyone was upset. It seemed as if this was no longer a gentleman's race. No one was helping anyone else out when they broke down. So the flyer arrived in Erie and set off early the next morning. A crowd gathered to watch them go. The New York Times reporter had a very hard time getting into the car, and someone yelled out, quote, Bravo, fatty! Oh, boy. Oh, man. What? Why you got to do that? As he still tries to get in. The door, the door slamming while liquid fat is still around the edges of the doors. As he just lifts it out the windows to get the door shut. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, boys. Let's stop less. When he finally got in, everyone applauded. Hey, there you go. That's very kind of you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, and then they sped off. And the I don't know if they sped, sped off. off. <laughs> and they left. Uh, the DD on left 40 minutes later. The flyer got into Toledo. Now Roberts was starting to become a hero. He ate a, a two-inch thick steak while people stood around and watched and asked him <laughs> so questions. This bogs down into a freak show. Well, <laughs> when not racing, you're just kind of road tripping. 
So why not eat a great steak? Is Roberts the driver of the flyer yeah. or the reporter? Oh, okay. he's the he's the like good looking athletic dude. Yeah, watch me eat a steak and I'll make this fat reporter salivate over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get out of the car. <laughs> Might and tie the gristle. <laughs> Might and tie. <laughs> 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 Shut up, ham hock. Slap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the uh <laughs> might and I <laughs> <laughs> The D Dion could not keep up because their headlights fell off. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so night's off the table now. There's windows. <laughs> In Indiana, the state was experiencing its worst blizzard in years. Dave, is it safe to say this isn't going well? (laughs) The region was totally shut down. The snow snow was four feet deep and rising. The cars were going one mile per hour. It took 13 miles, 13 hours to go seven miles. Jesus. Wrapped in thick clothes, the race, racers struggled through deep snow on roads, limping along in single file and stopping constantly for repairs. They would get gasoline at hardware stores one bucket at a time. Yep, how uh, we do it. Each team, though, was worried their opponents would sneak off in the middle of the night, so they kept watch of each other. The French is so like Treasure of Sierra Madre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah he, watch he, out. He did it again. <laughs> you should, that's another movie you should watch, though. You guys, um, uh, the French and the Didion started giving orders. Uh, the French leader and the D- he said to Roberts, "Quote: When you wish to go into a city ahead of me, you ask me." Uh, to which Roberts replied, "Quote: From now on, you will know this is a race." But I it's assume. been a race. Yeah, but they were racing. Yeah. So he's played by some Brad Pitt guy. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can get Brad Pitt, it's Brad Pitt. Otherwise, it's just the next one available. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Second pick. I'm a World War One type gentleman. <laughs> You'll soon know the meaning of the word honor, sir. <laughs> You're too good. You have morals. Um, the Germans and the Proto started fighting with each other. Sure. The drivers were mad that uh, Copen, the leader, was getting all the credit. So Copen hopped on a train and said he would meet them in Chicago. <laughs> I'm stunned with this. Copen's got a good vibe. He's getting off on time. We'll see you in Chicago. No, Copen, don't get on the goddamn train. God damn it, he's on. The flyer was. So he was accused of being in charge too much, so he's like, I'll go to Chicago and meet you there. Yeah. Good. Uh, the flyer is now 30 miles ahead of the Zust, uh, but Roberts was seriously pushing himself, and he fell asleep and crashed into an eight-foot snowdrift, twisting the steering gear. And the mechanic had to, uh, Schuster had to repair it for two hours, quote, stopping intermittently to use ungentlemanly language. And the reporter? Uh, Sorry, I gotta do all this. Yeah. Will you get out of the car? Uh, no. <laughs> He's trying to jack it up, and yeah. then... What do you think the problem is, guy? Yeah. 
I can't stop this ungentlemanly language. You're a real re- wet rag. That's what you are. <laughs> I'm you're, not the you're one a darn no damn fool. I'll say it. You're a damn fool. He's having a tirade out there again. The worst language anyone had ever heard at that point. God darn dang dig nabbit. I, I've pissed things that I enjoyed more than you. <laughs> oh, I've got a real distaste in my mouth right now. Yeah. Oh, you're like a flat soda, pal. <laughs> Yeah, you're the wrong side of a knuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the flyer had an advantage being in America. Throughout Indiana, farmers and other rural rural people would come out and help them. American, all right. American (laughs) know-how. What do you know? They dug uh, snow for them and would give them tips on which way to drive. At one point, 14 Clydesdales and 20 men shoveling snow got the flyer through some fields. That's a bit of an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So race rules. (laughs) So now it's just, uh, we're in just uh, Christmas commercial territory. (laughs) When do the polar bears with Coca-Cola show up? So race rules stated that cars had to move under their own power. A push here and there was okay, but being dragged for miles by horses was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So the other teams protested, but then it was learned that they were all doing the same thing. <laughs> the Zust had set a record using 17 horses. The difference was that the foreign teams had to pay for the help while the flyer got it for free. Uh, so they had to pay to cheat. Yeah. Which is different. In some places, the Hoosiers refused to help the foreigners at any price. So the Moto Block and the Protos appealed to the president of the Chicago Automobile, Automobile Club, which uh, the Tribune printed under the headline, Foreigner's Pathetic Appeal. The Chicago Tribune? Yeah. Foreigner's Pathetic Appeal. The note read, quote, We are discouraged. The peasants demand $3 per mile for helping us. They charged $5 to permit us to sleep on the ground. Peasants along the way have filled up road dug by leading cars so as to help the Thomas car. So they're, as the Thomas goes by, then they're putting the snow back in the fucking road. <laughs> so the French refer to the American citizens as, as peasants. peasants. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause he's> peasants. <laughs> and then at the end, they ask, would it be possible to influence public opinion to aid us? Well, the peasants thing is going to hurt you. Uh, Why, sure. We'll put a team of publicists on the next steamship over from Paris. <laughs> so the foreigners did no not like... No collusion. The foreigners did not like the locals, uh, believing them to be boorish. An Italian sent off a dispatch, quote, I do not like the Americans as a whole, just as I do not like the cheesemonger whom a prize in a lottery or a sudden rise in the price of potatoes has made wealthy. There is still too much of the herdsmen about them. Well, that's not going to get snow out of the road for you. <laughs> bad attitude. Yeah, I mean, when you're like, you profit the same way as the people who make cheese, then you're an asshole. <laughs> to make it worse, the Northern uh, Indiana Railway gave special clearance for the flyer to drive along their track. <laughs> But, <laughs> like on a xylophone, that's how you would score that. Yeah. <laughs> Railroad ties flying up. Uh, but the Zust and Didion arrived uh, then, and they were not given permission and had to continue through the snow. It's not a race. It's a race. Now, so it's a- yeah, now it's a professional wrestling event. <laughs> yeah. Now, now the ref has his back turned and he's <laughs> yeah. like, you guys be quiet while chairs are getting smashed in the ring. 
So things are not going all great for the flyer. When they reached Michigan City, the guide there refused to take them into Chicago and gave them the wrong directions, sending them into snowdrifts. Turns out he was a Frenchman. <laughs> the right. Americans got yeah, snowdrifted. They met a hey, well, I'll do whatever I can to help you guys. You're awesome. Just go up that way, turn right, and if you see that barn, you went too far. Fucking foolish Yankee do that. I set a trap. You step right in. <laughs> I'm not Joe Local at all. Uh, so snowdrift. So that day, Chicago lined the streets, the 24th of February, ready to welcome... I heard they say the audible there's a car race coming through. This is big. There's a car race. Come on. This is what it's all about. Yeah, you're taking them all the way down here. I've never been so excited to see nothing like this before. And they sat there all day, but the flyer did not come because the wrong, the, wrong, the wrong turn had cost them a lot of time. After a while, everyone just went home, and the flyer arrived the next day. <laughs> to um, no one. <laughs> well, no, then everyone lined up again, and there was a big banner and parade. Uh, yeah, but it's never the same when you got a re-parade. Re-parade. Yeah. Second day the parade. Re-parade is, not a, is awkward. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no, we're still into it. Yes, there's a bit of a fucking bust. Yeah. Uh, we, all the ticker tape has already been fired yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're gathering it up. <laughs> eh. <laughs> it's not as poofy for sure. Um, so being ahead, Roberts took the day to take steam baths and long naps. Sure. As most race, uh, yeah, that's, how, that's the feeling you want to have in a race. That's right. Yeah, a day off. Uh, the Spa day. Spa day. Day for you. Spa day. day. for you. The Didion, Zust, and Motoblock arrived the next day. That night, the Motoblock was robbed of its supplies while parked in a garage. Okay. Chicago! <laughs> what do you know? P- pity that happened. Be shame if something happened to your French car. Something has happened. Someone's removed most of the parts. <laughs> well, what can I do? You are in charge of the operation. Eh, it's not going to be good enough. What? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the, they had a banquet. Uh, they invited 50 guests. Roberts had a lot of fun. He pretended to get an electric shock from a man who had received electricity treatment for a cold. It's a great bit, though. That's a great bit. So he's a real card. Yeah. He had handkerchief bits. Yeah. Also, he got electroshock therapy for a cold. It was a different time. Cool. <laughs> How's your nose feel? My temples hurt. Bingo. I am Dr. I am Dr. Gesundheit. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it was a little creepy. Why'd he turn the lights off? <laughs> Uh, Hansen, the Norwegian who had claimed he had sailed to the North Pole alone, then stood up at the banquet and announced he was leaving the Didion team. Okay. Turns out he had gotten into a, far, a fight with the gun car leader. leader. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, so he got into a fight with the leader of the car, and they had almost uh, they had almost come to a duel. They were like about to duel, but then the other guy said, "I could just fire you instead of us dueling." Way but better. then, but then. Before he fired, he was like, "Well, then I quit." So, uh, oh. so he 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 was done with that uh, car, and so he got invited to join the flyer. They're like, "Why don't you guys jump in our?" Because he was oh, considered you've been to, be to the an, North Pole. An, an, yeah, mm-hmm. an Arctic it's expert. Very cold. You no more questions. Snow. Um, so he then he pledges allegiance to the American flag. Whoa, this <laughs> is quite all a you day. Had to do. Well, that's a great scene in this movie. Yeah, yeah. that is a great scene. Um, Four thousand. Of course, the pledge of allegiance back then would have been. <laughs> Worse than it is today. Yeah. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to this country and the people it displaced. 
Uh, 4,000 came out to watch the flyer leave the next morning. One of the Italians wished uh, Robert's luck, and Robert's turned around and said he'd never wanted to see the cheating Italians again. Sure. Uh, the race was now one week behind in schedule. They were supposed to get to the West Coast to take a ship up to Alaska to then drive across the Bering Strait, so they're behind schedule. The flyer had now averaged seven miles per hour, which meant it would take 100 years to reach Paris. <laughs> So, is it better to just jog? <laughs> is the man who leaves the car I, going to get there faster? I feel like at this point, if there was a guy walking this race, he would be ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, but then Roberts blew through Illinois. Uh, at this point, they were going so fast, the car was shaking so much that the New York Times reporter quit. <laughs> that dude my tum tum. I'm all jiggled up again. I can't take this anymore. I'm done. Woo-wee, ten miles an hour. <laughs> so the flyer arrives in Cedar Rapids on a Sunday, which meant no one cheered because they were Christians. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we all knew that. Obviously, yeah. you can't. Can't cheer then. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, the d- no, joyless. Yeah. We believe in lack of joy. Yeah, yeah. that's the off day. Uh, the D. Dion broke down and was stuck in Cedar Springs for six days. The flyer skidded into a muddy creek, and it took a day to get out. The Zust had a wheel fall off. Oh, my God. Dang. While all this was going on, the Moto Blanc arrived in Chicago. Okay. And they couldn't stop talking about how much Indiana sucked. <laughs> Pretty good. They'd get a pretty good reception in Chicago. Yeah. We kind of like you guys now. One farmer had given them dinner and then after charged them $5, which was a huge price at the time. And the farmer explained that they were his two pet chickens. (laughs) (sighs) This guy's an asshole. (laughs) Leave $5 each if possible. (laughs) (laughs) They were my best friends. You ate my best friends. Why did I mention it? It would have been weird. A fidget. Fidget because you got them fancy boots and lacy shirts on. I was drunk when y'all came over. I killed my best friends and let you eat them. The Germans arrived in Chicago a day after uh, the Moto Blanc. The two drivers told uh, Copen either uh, he left or they would leave. So the Germans have fucking had it with each other. So he refused to leave and the other two drivers bailed. Okay. So now he's by himself with the... Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's the fifth car in a five-car race. He's 1,000 miles behind. He's like got a shot, though, huh? And now he's paying for the whole trip himself because the other guys who... Because the German car was all self-funded. Um, but then he found a new German driver in Chicago, and they drove off together. In Clinton, Iowa, the Germans were presented with a giant pretzel decorated with flags. Sure. Absolutely. Idiots. <laughs> American flags? Uh, no, German, because it, it's a German town. Okay. That was the coolest thing they could have done back then. Yeah. That was as good a gift as you could think of. Right. Here's a giant pretzel. Giant pretzel. Oh, I'm so grateful. Wow, what a beautiful gesture. With your flags on it. Oh, my. Uh, he said he, would, he was thankful, and he would send it home to Germany. Uh, I don't know if he understands how pretzels work. <laughs> this guy might need a quick tutorial. I do everything I can to send it back home as soon as possible. Uh, the moto block uh, broke down immediately after it left Chicago. So the flyer blew through Nebraska, doing 500 miles in three days. Robert was driving uh, 
brilliantly. They head into. Well, they into, also lost the reporter. Yeah, yeah. So he's gone up through. Yeah, that's Canada. the route. I guess they're, they're not. I guess they're not doing Canada, which was originally the route. So they're going through uh, a boat, uh, Wyoming, Nebraska. That's oh, okay. Sort of. okay. Um, so they go to Cheyenne, Wyoming, where Roberts had always planned to quit the race. He's going to quit the race in Cheyenne. Well, we find that um, out. Well, yeah. he had the French. He had the French Grand Prix coming up, so he's going to do that. So Schuster now replaces Roberts as the driver okay. of the flyer. Okay, is he the angry mechanic? Yeah. And the reporter's gone, so yeah, it's so just like just out. I think, oh, Hanson's in the car also. Okay. okay. Uh, the, 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 the trio band. Yeah. Mm, bop, bop, bop. <laughs> mm, bop. <laughs> We're going to do this the whole ride, guys. <laughs> we have four songs. Um, All right, there's also not radio yet. Good. There's God. no radio. No. Yeah. A lot of talking, a lot of great <laughs> conversations. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the Norwegian guy just keeps talking about how he went to the North Pole. It's great. Could you tell us any specifics about when you went to the North Pole? Very white. Okay. <laughs> just figured it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, there's, different, there's different shades of white. Right. <laughs> Do you want me to go through them? There's Santa Nickenklaas. Uh, He's up there. <laughs> yeah. Santa Nickenklaas. Making his toys for that, the yeah, children with, that right. survive yeah. the winter. Yeah, Biden... <laughs> I killed um, Santa. <laughs> he just has to start embellishing to make it interesting. I dated and murdered Santa. Okay? It's a long car trip. You're going to hear some shit. It was self-defense. <laughs> so now, Schuster's taking over, but the plan is, is that Roberts would take over again in Europe right as they went into Paris, so he would get the glory. Oh, uh-huh. cool. So when the flyer left Wyoming, it was ahead by two states. The motoblock uh, driver was going crazy. He was having mechanical problems and thought he would lose his mind if he didn't get out of Ohio. I mean, <laughs> Iowa. So against the rules, he shipped his car to San Francisco by train. What is he this? shipped his car. What is this? It's a Who, race. It is not a race. This is a race. I don't know what it is, but it's no not a race. With no verification process it's, at any step. A race implies like pushing it. This is a bunch of it's, people. They, there's a spa days. It's getting there. I don't... But what's the point? Can car. you ship a car? Well, I think we can prove that. Okay, so it is against the rules. So people found out Did about it. Did he sit it. in the driver's seat the whole time? <laughs> no. That's the question. I think legally speaking, he should have. So people find out about it. Um, and a small group gathered in Council Bluff to see the motoblock, quote, shamefully riding a freight train. <laughs> It was mounted on a flatbed, quote, exhibited to the rude gaze of an unfeeling public. Wow. A newspaper reporter started setting up Council his... Council Bluff? <laughs> Iowa? Yeah. Sounds like Council Bluff. So a newspaper photographer starts setting up his tripod to take a picture of the car. Sure. And Godard, the driver, loses his shit yelling, quote, No photograph! No photograph! And he said in French that the car was in privacy now. Yeah. <laughs> L'automobile en privé. <laughs> it is no. special time. It special is, time. Right now it's not a car, it's a train. And there's no reason to take pictures of a train. <laughs> Foolish man. This car's sleeping. He's in a coma. Have some respect for the dead. So the photographer just keeps setting up the tripod, ignoring... I like how this, 
photographer's like, gotta get it right. Yeah. Also, it, he the French guy's on the train. He can't. What is he gonna? No, he's come he... off the train now. He's oh. off the train. He's right. They're right in front of. They're screaming at each other. So guitar. So the photographer's just setting up, not giving a shit, while the French guy screams at him. And then Godard's uh, mechanic runs at the photographer with an with an axe, yelling, "Quote, I will fix your machine." And then railroad workers come running out. And they come to the defense of the photographer, and they, <laughs> they grab the mechanic. And then the Frenchman run over to cover up the car before he can take the picture. But the photographer got a picture off before they I, could I raise up the sheet. I, I, is this on horseback? How are... <laughs> what? Are they... How are they... What? Just running around. I mean, you, you could make this movie, but... You would have for that scene to play correctly. You would have to have it that sped up film speed. So it's like, and the newspaper guys are like, "Hey!" and they run out. We like, "Ow!" The railroad guys, "Hey, stop that!" So, so the photographer gets a a picture of it, and then after it was printed, uh, Godard received a cable from the car owners: "Quote, quit race, sell car, come home." You got to pay by the letter, so. That's a great Hemingway poem. (laughs) (laughs) So the motoblock is out. Now four cars are left. In Wyoming, the route took them up uh, 10,000 feet to uh, get between two towns that were 40 miles apart. The snow was very thick. So the flyer got special permission from Union Pacific Railroad to drive through a train tunnel with, quote, special train designated status. Oh, and they blew out three tires in the tunnel and were, were almost hit by a train that did not slow down. Well, when you're, when you're granted train status, yeah. you're a train. <laughs> so Wait, Turn around. Turn around. What? They said we could go. They said we could go, but he didn't. <laughs> oh, boy. Come on. Move, 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 move. Thank God the reporter's gone. I think that's the one thing that I would change about this story to make the movie. The fat guy stays. I also, I also think you want him in a situation like yeah. this. So when the Italian Zest team reached the same tunnel, uh, they asked Union Pacific for uh, permission, and it was denied because they used the excuse that the flyer had dis- disturbed a lot of gravel on the tracks in the tunnel. Oh, bully. So the Zest had to go over the mountains. The Didion fought against people looking to make money all the way through Wyoming. One group tried to steal a spare axle as it was lying on the ground. The flyer broke down in Utah, which stranded them in the desert. One of the men rented a horse from a rancher, took a gun, rode till 5 a.m. the next morning to the nearest town to get parts. The Thomas dealer there in town didn't stock the parts that were needed, so the guy from uh, the flyer ordered the dealer to go around town and just take parts out of local people's cars with or without permission. <laughs> That's quite I, an I, order. Good point. That's quite an order. Okay. Now this she's the, the flyer. Yeah, he's the hometown boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're acting like it too. <laughs> now Schuster repeatedly sacrificed himself on the journey. He walked ten miles at night to find gas and navigated the car out of gullies they couldn't drive around. His skill and drive had kept the car running through blizzards, freezing temperatures, and sandstorms. Each night he repaired damage and got the flyer ready for the next day, and no one gave a shit. He was not Roberts. 
Newspapers often misspelled his name when they did barely mention him. Okay. Yeah. So after 41 days, the flyer reached San Francisco, the first car to cross the United States in winter. They were 900 miles ahead of the Zust. Factory whistles sounded and automobile drivers blew the horns on Market Street. No one thought they would even get to Chicago, let alone the West Coast. So then the flyer was Nobody put... Nobody thought they were going to get to Chicago, and they're supposed to go to Russia. Paris. Yeah, over the Bering yeah. Sea. It's yeah. going to be great. Right. I mean, but Paris and Russia. Yeah. Are these cars planning on stopping and having, like, children cars that then continue the journey for them? <laughs> it's like how we're going to get to Mars. <laughs> we're going to need to procreate on the trip. <laughs> so the flyer was then put on a ship to Alaska to try and find a way across the Bering Strait. Oh, they didn't know that ahead of time. Yeah. On April 8th, the flyer reached Valdez. Uh, at the same time, the Zust and Dion arrived in San Francisco and were waiting, waited for news about the conditions in Alaska. <laughs> but there had never been a car in Valdez, so people were like, holy shit. And Schuster quickly realized there was absolutely no way to get to Russia. Snow was 10 feet high. The only way to cross Alaska in a car would be to take it apart and ship it by dog sled. Hey, you're still racing. <laughs> St- uh, still a race, that, as far as I we're mean, concerned. Please, that's that. Please, I'm sorry. Please, I'm sorry. Because keep that's in mind, the best third act I've ever J- heard. James is not listening to a story. He's writing a script right yeah, now. Yeah, no, it's we need to be, This is the best story I've ever heard. He's in the midst of a pitch. <laughs> so the race organizers get rid of the Bering Strait plan. They're like, that's not going to work. <laughs> Which was the only reason the race had taken place in the winter. Hey, come on. So they told the flyer to go back to Seattle and then take a ship across the Pacific. Meanwhile, the other teams got on ships and left for Japan. The flyer had been the first to arrive on the Pacific coast, but now they were the last to leave. Oh, so the, the other two left from San Francisco yeah, to Japan. Yeah, they waited. Which, not a clever move. You've got yeah. another water problem on the other <laughs> end. Oh, shit, we do. Damn it. So the race committee... Uh, There's a lot of water. Have you noticed that? Judging from our map, with his, which is the board game Risk, there's a land bridge <laughs> from Japan to Irkutsk. <laughs> so the race committee got together and decided the flyer would be given a 15-day lead. So they're sure. spotting them 15 days. Uh, the Zest and the Didion would have to get to Paris 16 days before the flyer now to win. The Germans in the Protos were then penalized 15 days because it turns out they had taken a train from Ogden to Seattle. This is not a race. (laughs) This is arguably the origins of Nazism in Germany, their bitterness about their treatment in this race. The Dion then dropped out of the race in Japan because the owner sold the car. Honestly, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, there, I mean, does anyone want this anymore? Anyone? <laughs> so now they're in Japan, and uh, while they're there, the Russians told the racers to give up and just take the Trans-Siberian train that had just been built. The Russians in Japan? No, the Russians who know that they're there. So the ah, Russian yes. right. uh, leaders. Yeah. The, uh, the poet it's called reported, collusion, I believe, yeah. yeah. The poet reported, uh, the quote, great men of the Russian government, all covered with gold lace, outlined the many reasons the venture would fail. Sure. We shall be met on the road by Chinese brig- brigands? 
Manchurian they'll be attacked by brigands yeah Manchurian tigers, fever, plague, pestilence, famine, to say nothing of the mud. And that's uh, without even talking about the mud. Uh, also, mosquitoes as big as locusts, locusts and other similar delights. Let's keep say making locusts? up things that are going to happen <laughs> until they start believing us. These are locusts who will house themselves inside you and turn you into locusts. Tornadoes. Is... Tornadoes that also have uh, gorillas inside of Imagine them. Imagine if a tornado fuck, gorilla fuck tidal wave is coming at you. It's not a good idea. Have you ever been fucked by Mongolian beef? It happens. <laughs> there are doppelgangers of you who will have their way with you sexually, impregnate you, and force you to have a child of yourself that you raise in your honor. <laughs> or... Perhaps worst of all, you end up here in hey, Imperial you could, you Russia. You could end up here. Huh? You could end up staying here. Eh? <laughs> what a nightmare that would be. So I was out, but then uh, if you can get fucked by Mongolian beef, uh, I am speeding. That's what uh, P.F. Chang founded his civilization upon. The great leader. <laughs> the great leader, P.F. Chang. The warrior. He defeated General Tso. That's absolutely right. <laughs> In the chicken wars. We will get so. I'm so mad. Oh, yes, yes, father. Yes. Otherwise, he beats me with the shoe. Um, but then no one's about to stop. Um, they get to... Sorry, uh, sorry for interrupting, father. Vladivostok, Russia? Vladivostok. Vladivostok? I think so, yes, judging from my risk board map. Ah! (laughs) Um, uh, Copen of the Protos and Schuster of the Flyer agreed to leave at the same time. They're being gentlemen again. They're the only two left now? Uh, Well, I think they're the only ones that... They made it there. ...made it there in time. Right, so now they're like, hey, this is the worst, right? (laughs) Yeah! Shall we put a bullet in its head like it's old Yeller? How are you feeling about this? Uh, but the flyer was having an issue that morning, so the uh, protos just took off. Um, How gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hey! What oh about God. that deal? That's going to sound great on the podcast. That's imp- <laughs> I shook hands and then ran off. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, Dave, it's not about the podcast, it's about the movie. Yeah. Which James and I are writing. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> attached myself to this project. Um, so uh, they take off. It's a nice looking highway, so they just fucking floor it and they take <laughs> well, off. I mean, if you see a highway, you're like, oh boy, is that a mirage? <laughs> Imagine a road. Um, the highway was great for about a mile, and then the protos just drove into a river. Ah, no! More bullshit! Everywhere is bullshit! <laughs> This is greatest Russian engineering feats of its time. Road, road that goes four miles drops into river. We told you no race. Too many mouths to feed. We have to solve it somehow. Four so, miles into a fucking river. So locals got planks and made a bridge to get the car out, and they well, continued why, on. Why not focus on road building? These cars are hardy. <laughs> <laughs> they are the cars from Cars. Yeah. Um, Benny the Cab. <laughs> hey, Roger! 
but they quickly drove into a bog and couldn't get out. Yeah, of course. Wait, whoa. River, planks, and now a bog? Yeah. Oh. It's fucking Russia, man. <laughs> Should have told you river lead to bog. <laughs> but after bog is a big problem. Uh, <laughs> Russia, impossible to invade peacefully also. (laughs) (laughs) You see, you see. That come come later. (laughs) Um, Uh, After bog is swamp. (laughs) After swamp is portal to hell. (laughs) After portal to hell, things get fucked up. (laughs) Then customs. Then you go to... (laughs) customs, which is, yeah, believe me, you will miss hell after you see customs. You'll go, where's Dante? <laughs> you you watch your bum fights? He's no guy. He's not. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I don't know where I'm from. No, you're not from here. I'm from other place. Yes. <laughs> I travel. Yes. Hello, governor. Oh boy. Yes. Uh. So, uh, right, so they're in a bog. Uh, they can't get out. After a few hours of being stuck in the bog, they heard the flyer coming. And even though the protos uh, didn't go by their word, that's what it sounds like. I think like, I hear huh? it coming. Listen close. Listen close. That's it. He's on the freeway. <laughs> okay, he's at the end of the freeway. He hit four mile mark. I mean, I don't want to just go off hearing, but I believe he just left river and his meets bog. Yes, he's in swamp now. Just landed swamp. Um, so even though the protos didn't go by their word and had left early, the flyer stopped and helped pull them out of the box. Copen thanked them and then uh, popped a bottle of champagne that they sat on the side of the road and drank. Cool. What a normal race. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a turtle in the hair moments in this race. <laughs> yeah. No, it really is. They're like the, the, the wolf and the sheep and the Looney Tunes punching in and punching out. Well, day's over. Let's have a beer, huh? What do you say? A couple okay, bros. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Yeah, good to see you, too. You, too. <laughs> so the two cars then took separate roads, and the flyer got stuck in a bog. Right. Forty local soldiers helped Another pull them out. Yeah. Forty Russian soldiers? Local soldiers, yeah, helped pull them out. Uh, then the guys from the flyer spent the night in the army barracks, and uh, <laughs> the soldiers told them there were lots of Manchurian robbers who roamed the area. Okay, maybe they're, maybe they're not in Russia. Okay. Is Russia, what's the deal with Manchuria at that point? Uh, uh, they, they're probably country? fighting Japan of... over control. <laughs> <laughs> the snow melted and the ground turned to mud. We're in the middle of rolling six dice to see if Japan or Russia controls Manchuria. <laughs> um, so it would be mud for like the next 1,000 miles. So the flyer was forced to turn around. 1,000 miles of mud. In other words, pretty good day. Hey! 1,000 <laughs> um, miles of yeah. mud? That sounds, that sounds like the evil turtle at NeverEnding Story who's like, you can't get there. 1,000 miles of mud. 
Uh, <laughs> um, so the flyer was forced to turn around, and they found out that the Germans were driving on the tracks of the new Trans-Siberian Railway. Although, okay. <laughs> which when that's when did that become possible? I, yeah, I mean it's not great. They had not gotten permission, and it's very treacherous. Uh, but the Germans were now a day ahead. Now, Schuster did not want to win by default. He wanted to be the first into Paris. So he raced onto the Trans-Siberian Railway and narrowly missed being destroyed by an oncoming freight train. Jesus Christ. Schuster learned the Germans were now 60 miles ahead. Then the flyer's transmission cracked, and it was stuck on the tracks. Schuster hiked... That's a good feeling. Yep. Schuster hiked 15 miles to the nearest railway station. 15 miles. 15 miles. And then when he got there... He just he, swung on vines, by the way. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he did not speak any of the local language, and it was not. completely impossible to talk to anybody. <laughs> so then he went to the, uh, a town nearby and sent word to the Thomas factory to send a whole new transmission. It would take three weeks to arrive, and would be delivered to a town ahead of them. Can they deliver it to a train track? <laughs> so Schuster Why, got sure, but. <laughs> We're going to have to have one of those hand pump things take it down from... Uh, and then we're going to have to have the piano guy come along for that, obviously. <laughs> not getting that day off. <laughs> they need another hand pump for the piano. <laughs> so Schuster got supplies that would temporarily fix the flyer, which is amazing to me that he's like, yeah, we'll just temporarily fix the transmission. We'll throw some shit in there. Sure. So the Germans were pulling further, further ahead, and the flyer got going again after five days out of the race. Meanwhile, the Italians in the Zust had found out their car company had, been, had pulled their funding while they were in uh, Vladivostok. Vladivostok. Sure. Uh, so they, they were there, and they spent two weeks raising money, and now they Dude, just what? left that town. What? So they're behind. You have to have a mid-race telethon? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. Hey. You we're got looking. two minutes to help two Italians. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, tote bags. Uh, we got a tote bags. Uh? We got a bumper stickers. Uh? <laughs> guys, you want to just sign up? Anything helps. <laughs> <laughs> we hate to do this to you guys, but we know how important we are to you, and we just do this once a month. I need a miracle, man. <laughs> the Trans-Siberian Rail... Company offered one thousand dollars to the first team to reach the town of Chita. 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 Mm. The Ger- yeah. So the Germans wanted it and decided to make a run on the train tracks at night, even though the car had lost its headlights. They literally should just start running. They barely missed being hit by a train. The Trans Siberian Rail Company heard about their nighttime run and then forbid cars from using the tracks ever again. We did not think we'd have to say this. <laughs> Cars are not trains. Trains, Siberian railways, very important uh, purposes only. Transporting people from one gulag to another. (laughs) Only thing outside of that is a luxury. Um, So, instead of driving on the tracks, the Germans now drove parallel to the tracks and quickly into a swamp. (laughs) I mean... uh, Why isn't this working? Because there's a slope! (laughs) Another foolish, <laughs> another jam you've gotten us into. So now the, the whole now thing is just there, swamps. Yeah. Oof, oof, and just swamping. <laughs> so now they're sitting in the swamp, uh, and, a, and a train comes along, and there's a Russian duke on board. 
And he, he is just horrified by what he's seeing. So he orders them to drive on the rails. Okay. But they now had to drive with a portable tele- telegraph equipment machine and report their position on the tracks at regular intervals. Well, are they in front of his train? I think, I think he just gives them the stuff and then they, he goes off. Good luck with this weird plan I've given you. <laughs> so they just have to write and telegraph. Yeah, yeah. Like, you make calls. That? Be still on track. A blessing and also a worse of a curse. <laughs> so the flyer is now six days behind the Germans. The Germans tried to rig a bridge to cross a river, but the bridge snapped and they went into the river. Well, when you rig a bridge, <laughs> it's a tough way to set it up. Copen went walking to find help and found some drunk drifters and paid them to use their horses to pull out the car. Use yeah. their wasted individual. Crazy proposition. Um, but it turns out the horses were too small. They're little horses. We so, got like mini ponies. <laughs> so the bison is working. Team horses will help you out. Oh, I'm glad I got horses. It's so nice to have the nice uh, stranger help us out. They're like little foals, just barely standing up. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sure, if this will work, uh... <laughs> we must try. So. Um. So, Your horses are dead. Um, uh, so Copen goes out again, and this time he gets lost. In the middle of the night, he came across some bandits. And they say they would take him to a nearby town if he gave them money. He had a thousand rubles on him, which he didn't want to lose. So he pulled out his revolver and fired it into the air. And the bandits scattered. Coppen eventually found his way to a rail- railway station and got some holder- soldiers to come help pull the car out. Okay. Just going good. Yeah, no, for sure. These little stop downs aren't going to affect the overall time. Yeah. So the Germans reach uh, uh, Chitta on uh, June 14th and claimed the $1,000. The flyer was now three days behind. Uh, the Germans were sharing driving time. They were switching off. While Schuster wouldn't. He was doing ein, all drei, the driving. Zwei, switch! Ein, drei, zwei, switching! <laughs> he was the only one who would drive the flyer. <laughs> He wouldn't let anybody else drive. He drove her 54 hours straight to reach Chitta and arrived two days after the Germans had left. They now ra- raced across the thawing tundra of Siberia and Russia, the Germans leading, the Americans just behind, and the Italian thousands of miles back. The and Italians... This is, this, is, uh, this is... There's not a road at this point. There's no road. It's just tundra. Yep. <laughs> the Italians, however, were convinced they were the only ones who had run an honest race, and they should be the victors. Uh, well, that, that'll get you somewhere. <laughs> when we learned moral victories aren't victories. Uh, the Germans came to Lake Baikal and uh, asked to get permission to use a railway bridge, and they waited for days for a return telegram. Meanwhile, Schuster was driving for 20 hours straight, and his arms lost all feeling. <laughs> I mean, he's driving. <laughs> I'm going knees. I'm going knees. <laughs> he's John also... Candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's straight. My jacket's caught. My jacket's caught. <laughs> he's also got other guys who can drive. Yeah, he's just like, just I'm fine. I just no. can't feel my arms. No, the whole time, the vibe has been a dad on a road trip who hates his family. <laughs> He's never seemed like he's happy at all. He's like, I'm drunk. Everything's bullshit. Get these goddamn kids to Paris. Why'd you make me hit you, Tom? (laughs) 
So the Germans finally got their return telegram, which said they could not use the railway bridge. It's bad news from text. So they had to load their car onto a train to go across the bridge, and while they were doing that, the flyer pulled up. But there was no time to load the flyer on the train, but Kalpen, the German, was like, I will wait for you on the other side, because it's fair that you got here. And then he got to the other side, and he just took off. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Because I am German! What's fair is fair. Uh, so now the two cars are racing across grasslands on smooth flat roads now they got that the flyer chasing the protos Schuster was so tired he couldn't go uh, fast the Germans opened up a one day lead and Schuster sped up but finally he couldn't take it and after weeks he finally let someone else drive the flyer fine but I'm going to watch the whole thing and wouldn't stop nagging from the backseat. Yeah, this is when backseat driving got invented. Yeah. Um, no! So now everyone in the car is happy again. The crew's excited. They're talking about they're going to be the first one to Paris. But Schuster couldn't handle not driving, and he got behind the wheel after a half hour. Okay. <laughs> well, still, I mean, that was big for him. That was a big step. <laughs> big, brave step. So now the crew's sad again. They slowed down, and now they were in mosquito territory. Oh, the air Jesus. is loaded with mosquitoes. Did I mention the flyer does not have a windshield? Oh, my God. Jeez, so Winter mosquitoes. And they, so, okay, so these are goggle men. From, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just eating Rocketeer mosquitoes. Rocketeer guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the next town, two of the guys in the flyer just quit. They had had enough. Schuster got the point, and he then agreed to split time with the other driver. One would drive while the other slept. They would drive day and night. When they reached Tomsk, uh, the other two guys who had gone ahead by train... I quit. I don't care what part of the Ukraine I'm in. I'm quit. Yeah, right, right here. <laughs> so they get to the next town, and the other two guys who had got, take quit and gotten there by train are like, we'll get back in. <laughs> so they're back in the car. I slept great. Uh, the Germans were having an issue. They had a wobbly differential, which made it almost impossible to handle the car. It was being held together by makeshift pins, which kept coming out and had to be put back in. (laughs) So they're going super slow. So as they near a city, they see the flyer coming up behind them, and they sped up. Their lead lasted 15 more minutes. Schuster was driving like a madman and started tailgating the Germans. Uh, what, what is he doing? Get out of the fast lane! Get out of the fast lane! Learn to drive, you prick! I drive this way. This is how I race. I race at the speed limit. Yeah, right. Come on, you asshole. Flashes lights at him. He's washing his windshield. The Germans finally pulled over and let them pass. They just let them yeah, pass? Yeah. Yeah. Please, be sick of being offensive. The, the four guys in the flyer burst out cheering while Copen was close to tears. Then the Protos broke down and had to be hauled by a pack of horses to a village. That's pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty standard. But the flyer still needed that transmission, and then they drove into a swamp which stripped all the gears. Dave. It doesn't... St- why would it stop? It's never going to stop. <laughs> This Local is a, villagers. This is a lousy video game. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, another bog. Yeah, it's like the Indiana Jones Atari. I'm in the hole again. <sighs> you came across really old. Thank you. <laughs> the local villagers helped pull the car out. The protos uh, caught up to them again. Schuster and Copen met up in a town and had dinner together. <laughs> Copen knew they had a 29 day cushion, so unless the flyer dropped out, he was going to lose. 
Off they went again. In the town of Perm, the flyer got two messages. First, the transmission had been sent to another town <laughs> that was super hard to get to. And two, the Thomas Company asked if they could send Monty Roberts to help Schuster make it in the final roads of Europe. Okay. So they want Roberts to take over. Right. He's back. He's ready to star in it again. Schuster was pissed. He said he could have, quote, eaten nails. And I have. (laughs) (laughs) Not a turn of phrase. Nail biscuits. Uh, He just replied he would be in Paris on July 24th, and that was it. The flyer then went to pick up the transmission. So now deep in Russia, they started experiencing anti-American hostility. (laughs) Adults encouraged their kids to throw rocks at the flyer. (laughs) (laughs) Which has no windshield. Right. Right. They spread broken glass on the road and covered it with a layer of hay. I just picture that the Russian streets are like that anyway. (laughs) Lined with glass hay. There's still Napoleonic soldiers on the ground. (laughs) After getting the transmission, the flyer headed to St. Petersburg, where the local automobile club had offered a $1,000 prize to the team that arrived first. I was hoping you were going to say that brings the Americans' dead bodies. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but the flyer broke down after hitting a bunch of potholes. The transmission... Potholes. Somebody's got to fix them. Potholes. Yeah, potholes take you down. The transmission would now have to come to them, which would take four days. So Schuster went to get it, but he kept getting lost. The Russians that he met couldn't understand hand signals, and the Americans... <laughs> what kind and of... And he thing? couldn't understand Russian. Trans- transmission? Yes. Milk uh, cow. It's uh, on the bottom. But your and, wife uh, pregnant. You jam your wife pregnant. Shit, your... You do this. You keep doing this. Oh, uh, oh, oh. oh you're celebrating. Our only <laughs> hand signal. <laughs> you celebrate. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, you win you something. Shift, uh, you you win race. You, you don't need transmission. We only have <laughs> hand signal for lintel or famine. Yes. <laughs> Are you drunk or looking to get drunk? Be clear. Okay, I'm going to walk away. Um, he, uh, so they get, they get the transmission back together. Um, uh, then they were taking wrong turns all the time. He lost 15 hours when he took a wrong turn. The Protos reached Mo- Moscow on July 18th, and a few days, uh, days later was in St. Petersburg, where they claimed a cash prize. The flyer was now three days behind. Kalpan arrived in Germany. And there was a victory parade for him because they thought he had won. <laughs> People lined the streets to cheer their fellow countrymen. Out of the way! Out of the way! <laughs> you did it! Welcome! We are like, welcome! We Congratulations! Awesome! Out of the way! You won a big trophy here. Stop off! We are Tuggins and Jepeka. Uh, so, I've been a fan of yours since I was a girl. <laughs> In Berlin, hundreds of thousands of people came out to cheer him on. There's you a big did it! celebratory dinner. <laughs> Meanwhile, Schuster was keeping the flyer going 21 hours a day, but at 6.15 p.m. on July 26, five and a half months and 2,933 miles from Times Square, Lieutenant Copen arrived in Paris, slowly driving the Protos down Boulevard Poissonnaire. Poissonnaire. Uh, a delegation of editors from Le Matin greeted him with tepid enthusiasm and served a cold buffet. Well, 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 no heated foods? Enjoy your cold coffee. Almost, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Schuster 
arrived in Berlin where he was congratulated for a decent showing. They're like, good for you. Look what you did. He didn't, uh, they didn't know he was actually in the lead by a month, and he didn't tell them. So on the evening of July 30th, people in Paris lined the streets as Schuster and the flyer rolled in. They chanted, Vive la car American! And everyone cheered until the flyer was stopped by a policeman. Excuse and me, she- license of registration. <laughs> <laughs> Schuster was arrested for not having headlights. <laughs> Holy shit! Holy shit! What? How like re- how close to the finish line? <laughs> I mean, it's they're like, like so you, close. These people are here for me. Yeah, people are cheering and people are like screaming. No, rules no, are it's rules. A race. It's a race. Shut up. Rules are rules. Laws is law. The code is clear. You must have lights. <laughs> we will need to see this fixed within a week. Otherwise, you get another infraction. The fix it ticket. <laughs> so a guy on a bicycle rides up. And puts his bike in the front seat and has a light on it, so the policeman steps aside and lets him go. Well, as much as law is something I take very seriously, legally you have fixed every problem I have. You now have a bike attached to your car, finish the rest, the law has been served. Continue, emotion. Hello? Now, unlike uh, Colvin, uh, a champagne greeting met the flyer. Uh, the Thomas Flyer was declared the official winner, winner of the New York to Paris race. Celebrations in Paris continued for days, and Schuster is just fucking loving it. Oh Meanwhile, the Zust was still driving through western Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> and they believe they are the moral victors because they haven't cheated. <laughs> This this is the uh, this is as the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, the one thing they cannot say about us is that we never cheated. We won our way, and no one pays attention to them as they drive through Russia and Europe, or when they arrive in Paris. No celebrations, also no nails in the road. Nothing. Also, no Don't. horses to get them out of bogs, probably. No, People just, are probably just like, get out of there yourself. Uh, the race had cost E.R. Thomas $100,000 to run his flyer. But after winning, sales went through the roof for the Thomas Motor Company. He was making so much money that he turned down an offer of $10,000 just to buy the flag from the race car. When the flyer crew arrived in New York, there were more celebrations, and Schuster told Roberts to drive the car into Times Square. Thomas offered Schuster six months of work touring the car to different cities, but he just wanted to go home, so he turned it down. After, he, uh, after that, he went back to his job in the factory, saying he would never do anything like that for money again. <laughs> For for money, yeah. for money. Now, well, he was offered. Principal. He was offered ten thousand dollars by Thomas to drive the car, but then Thomas only gave him sixteen hundred. <laughs> Jesus. Copeland wrote a best-selling book about the race, which made him a for, uh, made him his fortune back that he lost in the race. Monty Roberts kept racing and eventually settled down with a family. The race had Instead highlighted. Of finishing. What? On the, finishing? Yeah. On the way to finishing. On the way to finishing, just started a family. 
the race had highlighted the shitty conditions of the roads in the U.S., and roads were then improved enormously. Asphalt was invented in 1910, and the first transcontinental highway was begun in 1912, starting at Times Square and ending in San Francisco. The 190 race was one of the pivotal achievements of the 20th century <laughs> until Lindbergh uh, had his flight across the Atlantic in 1927. So it was one of the biggest events until a Nazi did a thing. So <laughs> Schuster did really well. He, he was looking it. for his baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to see from up here. Uh, Schuster did great. He opened up Dodge dealerships in the 20s and 30s. He published uh, a memoir in the 60s. Died in 1973 at the age of 98. In 1910, the Thomas Motor Company... His last words were, fuck this shit. In 1910, the Thomas Motor Company released a very disappointing new model. By 1913, the company was done. The flyer was auctioned off, and it was now in the National Automobile Museum in Reno. Jesus Christ. And in... In 1916, the Italians made it to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hey, spicy meatball! <laughs> ah! I'm going to need to see some license and registration. <laughs> uh, wow. Holy shit. So Racing was... before roads? Yeah, fuck Seems yeah. Seems foolhardy, Dave. Yeah, it, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> But some people like to achieve things. Like James right here has got a new screenplay that he's working on. <laughs> a new winner. <laughs> it's, it's called uh, <laughs> Might and Tie the Gristle. <laughs> Amazing. Give it up for James Adobe and everybody. Thank you so much for coming out. We want to thank everyone at South by Southwest. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 